one.com. Welcome to Around the Lakes, getting you out and about in the Finger Lakes. I am Josh Durso, and my guest this hour is Chris Lajeski. He serves as center director for the Montezuma Audubon Center, and today we're talking about a great local spot to get outdoors, especially this spring as the weather starts to get better. It is going to get warmer eventually. Chris has promised me that. Uh, thanks for coming in again. Thanks for having me, Josh. Uh, so first things first, is Montezuma the most underrated spot in the Finger Lakes to get out and just to, even if it's just like to get away for a few hours, is it the most underrated spot? Well, there's something for everyone at the Montezuma Audubon Center and across the entire Montezuma Wetlands Complex. If folks are looking to get out and enjoy hiking trails, biking trails, bird watching, canoeing, kayaking during the summer months, then the Montezuma is the place for them because, uh, there is countless opportunities for folks to explore the Montezuma wetlands complex 300 different bird species migrate through Montezuma throughout the year and the Audubon Center serves as that hub for all outdoor recreation and bird conservation projects across the complex Mm -hmm. and and we are talking about a little bit of the confusion that sometimes pops up between um, uh, the the Audubon Center and the the refuge itself walk us through what the two are and what the differences are both sure The Montezuma Wetlands Complex is an Audubon important bird area, and that includes about 50,000 acres of land between the north end of Cayuga Lake and Wolcott up in uh, Wayne County. And within that 50,000 acres, there's about 10,000 acres of the National Wildlife Refuge and about 10,000 acres of New York State DEC properties. The Audubon Center, which sits on Route 89 up in Savannah, is a nature center within that Montezuma Wetlands complex, and we're just about 15 minutes north of the National Wildlife Refuge. So year-round educational programs for school kids, scouts, and families. We do a lot of summer camps. We have a big wildlife festival. We really are the entity that helps people from all over the region connect with this very important bird area. And the last time you were here, we talked a little bit about just how much of a challenge it is uh, maintaining such a, a wide scope of property, mm-hmm. um, all the sort of uh, different fragile pieces that you guys are working with on a daily basis. Uh, what parts of that get more challenging in the spring mm-hmm. uh, as as you guys sort of transition from that winter to warmer weather? Uh, yeah. Park? 50,000 acres is a huge area. Just to put that into perspective, that's about twice the size of the city of Rochester for comparison. Mm -hmm. And during these warmer months, plants are starting to grow. And some of the plants are invasive species. These are species that were brought over to this country over the last couple hundred years. And uh, when people brought them here, they didn't realize the environmental impact that those species would have. So we have species like Japanese honeysuckle, which is a shrub, which is starting to choke out some of our forest habitats. Garlic mustard, another uh, herbaceous plant that Mm -hmm. is creeping into some forests as well. But fortunately at Montezuma, we have an amazing group of volunteers and staff about 500 volunteers come out annually and help us with invasive species control projects. Uh, when we remove the invasives, we plant native vegetation in their place so the invasives don't come back. We conduct citizen science bird surveys as well. So it, it's, a, it's a challenge. However, people love Montezuma, and they love making a difference. And, and so that's wonderful to see. And you guys do, I would imagine, see a pretty... Uh, large audience of folks who are coming out and interested in not only 
learning, but also volunteering and helping you guys out. I know the last time we sat down, um, there was a lot of emphasis on the fact that, you know, if it weren't for the volunteers, it'd be very difficult to do what you guys do. So uh, what does that look like in the spring um, as opposed to what those types of activities might look like in the fall? Mm, Yeah. So this time of year with everything starting to grow and come back to life. It's really the focus is on planting native vegetation in these areas where we've removed the invasive species. Um, Conversely, in the fall season, it's really focusing in on native seed collecting at that point. So the, the native trees and shrubs and wildflowers have all season to grow, produce fruit, and then produce seed while our volunteers help us collect a certain amount of seed that we can then use to restore grassland habitats and wetlands habitats throughout the wetlands complex. So, and even then during the summer months, then there's a whole separate uh, group of activities that we conduct. And a lot of it is paddling, canoeing, and kayaking, where we're getting out into some waterways, removing invasive plants, and doing some uh, bird monitoring as well as vegetation monitoring. So one of the things that that I I noticed when I was talking to some different folks uh, preparing for this conversation, um, they were talking about how vastly different things can look year to year or even month to month um, at maybe the same spot within the complex. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to us a little bit about what sort of factors are at play and how that is sort of happening, where you could be in one exact spot in one calendar year from now, come back to that same spot, and it may look entirely different than what you recall. Sure. Uh, Montezuma is a very managed ecosystem. We cannot let Mother Nature take its course (laughs) there at Montezuma. A lot of reasons for that. Uh, Farming has been a part of the complex for couple hundred years. Mm -hmm. The Erie Canal winds its way through there and so that's altered hydrology as well and so because of that and because people live within the complex and the invasive species I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of management that has to take place in order to remain a viable, healthy ecosystem for 300 species of birds throughout the year. Um, And so you can go to a wetland at the refuge or even up the DEC properties in Savannah and be in one location one year, like you say, and then the next year it's completely dry. Mm -hmm. Uh, You think, well, I saw water and a lot of vegetation growing one year and then the next year is dry and we get that question quite a lot reason for the the changing in water levels primarily is because we want a a nice balance between open water and vegetative growth in marshes that's Mm -hmm. uh, the the sweet spot we want about 50 percent open water 50 percent vegetation uh, thriving and native of course vegetation thriving Um, so if there's a situation where we have too much vegetation cattails are choking out uh, marsh Phragmites is an invasive species that that might creep into some areas. Well, we can flood those marshes and keep the water in the marsh, which in effect will kill back the cattails and Phragmites. Mm -hmm. And then the following year, we can lower the water levels and bring it back into that that 50-50 split. Conversely, if we, if we don't have enough vegetation, we'll lower the water levels, pump it out or let it drain naturally out of the marsh, let the native seed blow into the marsh and then put water back on to get it back up to about a 50% uh, vegetative growth. That's interesting. How much, 
Is that a year-round sort of effort? Is that something you guys are always sort of analyzing and working with, or is that something that you have to watch at certain times of year to keep right? Yeah, uh, spring and fall are critical uh-huh. uh, here at Montezuma because that's when we get the millions of ducks and geese and swans and marsh birds stopping at Montezuma on their very impressive journey from wintering grounds in the south up to their breeding grounds in, in the north, boreal forest to Canada, or even further north up in the Arctic tundra. So we're watching at those times of year, uh, making sure that those ducks, geese, and swans have the appropriate amount of food uh, and seed to eat uh, to help them during that very long migration. So roll back the clock about a month, month and a half, and I'm very, very curious. Mm. Um, Are there signs that spring is coming that you guys sort of see or have learned to see over the years uh, at Montezuma before the temperature starts to rise, before maybe even the the buds start to pop out on some of the Mm. trees or on some of the wildlife? Um, Are there certain things that you see that sort of tick, oh, spring's coming? Mm. Well, about a month ago, mm-hmm. we had uh, about a quarter of a million snow geese stopping at the Montezuma Wetlands Complex. These were birds. They're about the size of a Canada goose, but they're almost entirely white. They have black wing tips, and they migrate in mass. They were wintering over in the Chesapeake Bay region, down in uh, Virginia and Maryland. They fly up to Montezuma, where they stayed for about two or three weeks, and then they continue north to the breeding grounds in the Arctic tundra. That, for me, is the quintessential moment of spring. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not very warm. It was still in the 30s and 40s. We were still yeah. getting a decent amount of snow. But when those first south winds start to blow and you get a couple of days of slightly milder temperatures, well, the waterfowl take advantage of that. They ride the wind north. They get here. They rest. They feed. They, they uh, develop uh, relationships with a potential mate. And then they go uh, further north. So really, we tell people to get to Montezuma at some point in March because that's when... Montezuma comes alive and you can see millions of birds migrating all at once. Is that is it more dependent on a calendar period or is it more just depending on when the the wind happens to blow the right Mm. way and just sort of that that uh, weather trend? It's both. Uh, The extended daylight hours uh, by the you know in March triggers hormones in birds that gets them uh, wanting to move north to the breeding grounds. Now, they may be ready to go, but the weather conditions may not be conducive to helping them migrate. We still may have a a terrible north wind that's blowing really cold air out of Canada down here. That's not going to get them moving. But when the south winds start to blow, birds take advantage of that. It's very interesting. Um, So you've touched on a little bit the the different species of birds and how this is sort of the sweet sweet spot as far as seeing some of the the migration that's happening. what are the what are sort of the things that over the next two to three to four weeks, what are some of mm. the the birds or species that might might be popping up that you hadn't seen in the weeks coming up to now? Sure, it's still a great time to visit Montezuma, even though the ducks, geese, and swans have largely migrated through. A lot of songbirds and marsh birds that were wintering over in the Gulf Coast states or even further south, Central America or even South America, are going to be slowly working their way up here to Montezuma. Some just resting and going further north, but some are going to stay and actually breed with us. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite birds is the cerulean warbler. It's, it looks very much like a small blue jay. It's got blue, white, and black on it. It breeds in Montezuma's forests, high in the treetops. It overwinters down in the Andes Mountains. 
of South America. So that's a good three, 4,000 miles away. <laughs> a little bit of a journey. Uh, it's slowly working its way up here now, and it should be here within the next week or two. Wow. Uh, early to mid-May is when it's going to arrive. And the Montezuma Audubon Center is a great place to see them uh, in breeding plumage. The males are singing their hearts out trying to attract uh, a mate. Uh, we have a lot of colorful birds that really are tropical birds because they spend most of their life down in Central and South America. They're tropical yeah. birds. They're brightly colored. Scarlet tanagers, bright red. Baltimore Orioles, bright orange. Uh, warblers, a lot of yellow and blues on those birds. So these birds are all working their way up here to Montezuma. Uh, we've got two miles of trails right at the Audubon Center, and folks can get out and venture and, and uh, enjoy it all and take it all in, listen, and look for these migratory birds. Curious minds would love to know, what, what is the, the length of that trip like how long does it take some mm. of those birds to to make that flight from say central america to what would yeah. be seneca and wayne county <laughs> yeah yeah some of these birds uh, do it in really short order maybe a week or two uh making several stops along the way uh-huh. uh before they get here some uh some birds these neotropical birds migrate nonstop and especially coastal birds or oceanic birds where they don't have trees or places to stop out there in the middle of the ocean, but they have to fly nonstop uh, to get here or to get along to the coastline. Uh, Another great example is the ruby-throated hummingbird. This is a bird that comes to a lot of folks' backyards here across the Finger Lakes region. You put out a nectar feeder or some bee balm or even columbine plants, and the hummingbirds will come right to it. Well, those birds, which overwinter in Central America, have to fly nonstop across the Gulf of Mexico. And that's a journey of about 10 to 18 hours. And they fly primarily at night. And if the sun comes up and they're still over water, then they still have to keep going. Because last time I checked, there are no trees out there in the Gulf of Mexico. Right. So they have to <laughs> keep on going until they find that shoreline of Louisiana or Florida where they finally get a place to rest. So it's an impressive journey, a very arduous journey, and Audubon is working very hard with conservation partners to protect areas, stopover sites like Montezuma for these birds. And, and to that end, are there other... Uh, I would imagine there are other wetlands complex sort of similar types of setups as what Montezuma has um, mm. here. Are, are those fairly common up and down the eastern seaboard? Well, there's nothing like the Montezuma wetlands complex in the entire northeast United States in terms of the, Scott, the size of it, the right. scope, all the conservation partners involved. Uh, but Audubon, National Audubon Society, has a presence all across this Atlantic flyway from New York all the way down to Florida. We have centers just like the Audubon Center in Montezuma that connects people to these places, does bird conservation programs and activities. Um, So very uh, present in Florida, the Carolinas, uh, Virginia, Maryland, and Pennsylvania, uh, helping these birds during their very long and arduous journey. Very cool. Um, coming up in about a week or so from the time this uh, episode is released, we've got a wildlife festival coming up. That's right. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what that entails and what that looks like for those who might uh, might be stopping out. Well, the Montezuma Audubon Center is proud to host the 13th annual wildlife festival. It's going to be on Saturday, May 4th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., and there's going to be something for the entire family. We'll have a couple of food trucks. We'll have uh, live music, kids' games, activities, guided canoeing trips on Crusoe Creek, guided bird watching hikes through our trail systems. Uh, 
a de- several dozen vendors and exhibitors on hand, but really the stars of the show and what people come to most for are the live animal programs that we have. We're so fortunate here in the Finger Lakes to have several wildlife rehabilitators and environmental educators who use non-releasable wildlife uh, to educate the public about conservation efforts and, and these birds and, and mammals that they have. So we're going to be featuring owls, hawks, falcons, and some mammals as well all throughout the course of the festival. And our auditorium is going to be packed every time that event is going on. That's awesome. Um, obviously, family-friendly, something that you definitely want to get kids out to, right? Um, For sure. Is, is this one of those opportunities where... Um, obviously, you get the good press of, of having an event like that. Obviously, there's a benefit uh, to any organization. But mm. the education, um, mm. to sort of have that opportunity to, to show people what's going on in their environment around them, is that a little bit unique? It's a great gateway activity for families all across the Finger Lakes region to explore Montezuma. A lot of folks still, even though we've been there for 12 years, think oh, Montezuma is just what you see on the thruway in 5 and 20. And they don't realize that the Audubon exists and we're a year-round nature center doing all these great programs and family-friendly activities. Uh, So a great way to connect with a huge audience. We're expecting about 1,000 people to attend. There's going to be something for everybody there. One of my favorites is the uh, 24-foot-high rock wall that we're going to have again this year. It's a great opportunity to get a bird's eye view, literally, of the Wildlife Festival up on Route 89 in Savannah, have a big bounce house for the kids, mm-hmm. and, and those guided tours that I mentioned, those are all New York State DEC or U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service-led activities. So these are folks who spend their entire day, work day, out in Montezuma Wetlands Complex. They understand the value of it. They know what the birds and wildlife are doing at that point during the year. Uh, great way to learn from folks and share this experience with the family. How much of an asset is it having that caliber uh, expert uh, and experts uh, available to lead those tours, to be involved with events like this? How much mm. of a game changer is that for you guys? The Montezuma Audubon Center really thrives on partnerships, and we have this great partnership with New York State DEC and the Fish and Wildlife Service down here at the refuge, and it's great that those biologists can can just step into a school field trip setting or a big wildlife festival setting and help people connect with the habitats at Montezuma and the birds that are migrating through. They don't have to do it. You know, they're trained as biologists, but they love helping Audubon connect people to this amazing, important bird area. And looking ahead from that, heading through May and into June, I'm sure there's, it seems like every weekend there's something going on yeah. uh, out there. But uh, what are some of the things that you guys have going on um, through the, the rest of spring as temperatures keep climbing and things keep, uh, it keeps getting better to get outside? Right. Yeah. A lot of tours of the Montezuma Wetlands Complex. We have a 12-passenger van that we fill up and take folks out around the whole complex exploring the DEC properties and the refuge as well. Uh, so all those programs and, and tours are located on our website. They're listed on our website, ny.audubon.org slash Montezuma. Uh, As we get into the late May, early June season, then we we are transitioning into canoeing and kayaking. And we're so fortunate at Montezuma to have about uh, six different canoe and kayak boat launches. Uh, Some of our favorite places are right up in Savannah. 
and we're paddling in the Seneca River. We've got these huge canopy trees, which are home to dozens of species of warblers, and vireos, and flycatchers, brightly colored birds that are singing their hearts out. Bald eagles, of course, are nesting right now, and their chicks are going to be developing. The parents are going to be very busy bringing fish back to them in the nest. Osprey, same thing. So a lot of opportunities for, for families to explore Montezuma, learn more about it. And then we also have summer camps coming up as we get into the summer months. From ages 6 to 15, there is a summer camp uh, for kids here across the Finger Lakes region. Uh, the 6 to 10-year-olds, we have a nature summer camp going on that's really geared towards getting kids outside and exploring and learning, conducting uh, some fun experiments, paddling, hiking, you name it, uh, we're having fun there at, at nature camp. And then for the older kids, the 11 to 15-year-old kids, uh, really extensive sportsman activities and sportsman summer camps um, mm-hmm. because we, we recognize that sportsmen here in the Finglaish region play a role in conservation. And so we're trying to inspire that next generation of sportsmen through our summer camp programs. And as you guys look out through these communities and you, you see, um, obviously there's a lot, of, a lot of discussion about climate change and about uh, how do we best preserve the, the natural resources that we have around us. Are you guys sort of taking uh, happy with with the the education and advocacy that seems to be taking mm-hmm. place in communities in the Finger Lakes about just how how valuable these resources mm-hmm. are for us? I think uh, well, I know people recognize Montezuma as a valuable asset because we have people coming in from not only the Finger Lakes region but they're coming in from the Northeast United States, the Mid Atlantic states to experience what we have here. Yeah. Sometimes we may take it for granted, but people who don't have what we have here see the value of it. Mm-hmm. I certainly do, and I help people connect with it every day. And it's great that we can bring people into this community, spend their, they spend their dollars here, they yeah. go to restaurants, they stay at hotels, and so they're having a positive economic impact here. Um, and so you know, when we do these activities, it's just another way to, like Wildlife Festival, another way to connect with people close to home bring them into Montezuma, see the value of this incredible natural resource, help them understand the value not only to birds, but also how people uh, benefit from it as well. So then uh, you mentioned bald eagles. Um, Mm. Obviously, that's sort of one of those, I guess, high-dollar attractions that everybody's (laughs) always sort of looking for and trying to find. Um, We see the pictures all the time that get sent into us. It's like our photographers are out there just seeking them out. Um, What do the numbers look like, and how has that number sort of changed over the last several years, are we in a better place now with with the number of bald eagles that are uh, not just inhabiting out at the Montezuma Wildlife Refuge, mm. but throughout the region, mm. or is it one of those numbers that tends to remain kind of flat? Oh, we're seeing increased numbers of bald eagles each and every year, not only at Montezuma, but across the region and across New York State, which is an incredible success story. Because just 40 years ago, there was only one nesting pair in the whole state of New York. And there were no nesting bald eagles at Montezuma. A lot of reasons for that. Habitat loss, DDT, people even shot bald eagles. Terrible things were happening. But we changed our ways. Conservation laws helped bring the national bird back. And we now have 12 nesting pairs of bald eagles at Montezuma alone. That's an amazing number. And people come in from all over the region to see that. When you look more broadly across New York State, DEC is saying that we now have over 400 pairs of bald eagles. Again, up from one pair just 40 years ago. 
So our national bird is back. It's thriving. It's a daily sight for us up at the Montezuma Audubon Center, and that is one of our iconic bird species that everyone loves to mm-hmm. see. Now, uh, looking out into spring, summer, fall, um, if there's one thing that you guys are sort of focusing on as something, may- maybe not a concern, but something that you guys um, want to address or are going to try and work on to obviously make Montezuma better because that's mm. what you guys are working to do every mm. day, um, what is that item or what is that thing that you guys are sort of game planning for down the road? Mm. Well, the, the habitat management, again, right. is really the, the focal point for all of the conservation partners that work at Montezuma. I mentioned DEC and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. There's the Friends of the Montezuma Wetlands Complex as well that really helps manage the 50,000 acres that we have there. And so bringing new volunteers into the Friends organization and the Audubon organization is something that we're always looking to do. it's 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 really not unique or special to to our Montezuma Wetlands Complex where we have an aging uh, group of volunteers. Most and community organizations are saying that, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, so we're struggling with that as well. Mm-hmm. But with with more tours, with more school field trips that come into the Audubon Center, more scout programs, wildlife festival continuing and thriving more people are coming and they're recognizing the value of it they have a wonderful time and they want to give back they want to make a difference as well so through our volunteer programs we have ample opportunities for folks to get into the Montezuma wetlands complex make a difference rub elbows with the wildlife biologists and like-minded individuals as well Mm -hmm. uh, and, and really help birds and wildlife and people too Appreciate you coming in, of course. Uh, but one more time, just for our listeners and viewers who, who might have missed it, um, the the Wildlife Festival, give us the 411 quickly on that one more time. Yep. 13th Annual Wildlife Festival at the Montezuma Audubon Center, Route 89 in Savannah, not down at the National Wildlife <laughs> Refuge. Uh, Route 89, Savannah, May 4th. That's a Saturday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. The entire lineup of great family activities is on our website, ny.audubon.org slash Montezuma. All right. Appreciate the time, Chris. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Josh. That's all the time we have for today. Each Monday, you're going to see a fresh episode of Around the Lakes on the FO1 homepage and, of course, on our app. Uh, Special thanks to Chris for stopping by. And, of course, thanks to you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 